Stuart Holman here with you again. Welcome to another week of Growing Disciples Daily Devotionals. Today and all this week, I'm recording our devotionals in quite different circumstances and without the use of the usual Growing Disciples studio. So uh, forgive me if we're a little bit rough around the edges this week. Today, we are continuing our theme on the teaching ministry of Jesus. But this week, we're moving on from his parables to an important topic of his teaching. We want to explore Jesus' teaching on prayer. Jesus did not only use parables to teach, but he also used his own example to teach his disciples. Perhaps one of the most potent of these teaching occasions was his approaching crucifixion. I mean, what does one do when one knows that they are soon to be crucified? Well, in Jesus' case, they pray, as recorded for us in Mark 14. And it's the night before Jesus' crucifixion. Remember, it's, it's late, it's very late, well after the Last Supper. Mark 14, verse 32. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and he prayed that, if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more he went away and he prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. So here at this crisis point in Jesus' life, as he prepares himself for the cross, he invites his three closest disciples to pray with him. What a privilege. The Son of God. What must he be feeling at that moment, knowing that the chain of events that leads to the horror of the cross has begun? Perhaps feeling his Humanity particularly, he, he reaches out, feeling weakness, apprehension or even dread. And he reaches out and he invites Peter, James and John to privately come and pray with him. What a privilege for those three disciples on this night before Jesus' crucifixion. They had just one job to do, to stick tight with Jesus and pray. And they failed miserably on that occasion. As an aside, though, from this point on in the Bible narrative, prayer becomes the predominant activity of the apostles when they are gathered together. You scan through the book of Acts and you read the apostles' letters. Aren't they always praying? Yes, they're eating together and they're searching the scriptures, but always in the context of prayer. So maybe this teaching moment was not wasted at all. And so if you, like me, fail to pray at times when we think we really should be praying, there's room for us 
among Jesus' band of disciples and there's hope. There's growth where we learn to watch and pray. But before we go there, let's remember that Jesus inviting disciples to pray with him that night in Gethsemane is actually part of a pattern. From the very beginning of his ministry, Jesus set a time aside often to pray and on a number of occasions, he invited his disciples to pray with him. Why? Because disciples learn to pray by sitting in on Jesus' prayers. Surely there's no better way to learn than to attend to Jesus as he prays. And so that's our plan for this week, to learn to pray with Jesus by listening in on his prayers. Today, we begin that process in Mark 14, the first then very obvious thing to notice about Jesus' prayer here is that he brought him his whole self to God, his mind, his will, his emotions, and his sense of vulnerability. In verse 33, he is described as deeply distressed and troubled. He says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. In Luke's gospel, Jesus is described as sweating drops of blood. In his emotionally charged state, Jesus brings it all to God, not just his feelings, but he lays his will on the line as well. This is what I want, but let's go with what you want. And I take it we have this same freedom in coming to God. There are times for formal prayer, carefully structured and beautifully worded, but there is also a place for raw emotion, for our tears and our fears, for our intentions and plans and our hopes for the future. One way that you might consider enriching your prayer life might be to bring your whole self to God in every dimension of your life, in every area of your life. I think another notable aspect of Jesus' prayer here is Jesus' address to God as Abba or Dad. Jesus also invited his disciples into this same kind of intimacy of address. Elsewhere, he taught his disciples to pray, Our Father in heaven, our Father. The relationship implied by addressing God in this way, as well as the loving intimacy of it, is the relationship of dependence. Jesus calls upon his Father as provider and protector. Similarly, we are invited to call on God as our provider and protector. We depend upon him for life, for health, for food, for safety, security, and for our very next breath. He is our Father too. Perhaps the most surprising aspect of Jesus' prayer here is that God's answer is no. Jesus is asking, look, is there a plan B? Can the cup of suffering on the cross, can that unimaginable pain of wrath being exhausted for sin and the world, can, can this hour pass? That is, can I not go through with the plan? Can the cup be taken from me? And with the benefit of hindsight, we would have to say that God answered Jesus' prayer request with a no. In Jesus' experience and his school of prayer for his disciples, there are times when God does not give us exactly what we ask. On the other hand, there are, of course, many places in the Gospels when Jesus assures us that God will answer our prayers. Ask and you will receive, right? But sometimes the answer is no. On reflection, though, there's a lot more going on in prayer than us simply submitting an application form to God which he may stamp approved or denied. Prayer is 
is not about a simplistic yes or no answer. Notice here that Jesus submits his will to the Father's will. Here's my will. Here's my request. Get me out of here. But, but not my will, but your will. What's really going on here in this prayer is that Jesus' will is being brought into alignment with his Father's will. Notice that Jesus' prayer, well, Jesus prays this prayer three times. He's persistent. And God continues to answer no. And yet three times Jesus submits his will to his Father's will. That's an important part of what's going on here in Jesus' prayer. And so Jesus is changed through his prayer. Prayer changes things and it changes us, aligning us with God's will. However, it's not just Jesus' will that is changed. Look at how he changes from being desperately distressed and overwhelmed in verses 33, 34, to I sense sort of he's, he's energized and he's strengthened for the task ahead in verse 41, 42. Right after praying, he says something like, come on, you three, enough sleeping. Let's do this. The hour has come. He's not praying, let this hour pass. He's saying the hour has come. Let's get up. Let's go. Because here comes Judas. The answer to Jesus', Jesus prayer is that he is strengthened and he's ready for the task. He embraces the work God has set before him. The answer to Jesus' prayer was not a change of plan, but rather God's enabling him to do the plan. Sometimes we wonder if God knows what we're going to pray in advance. If God knows all that, right, why bother praying? And if God is always going to answer yes or no according to his will, why bother praying, right? Why not be fatalists instead? Well, in the face of this purely functional and very simplistic view of prayer, Jesus' school of prayer shows us that the very act of praying persistently does change things. In this case, God's plan did not change, but Jesus was changed, strengthened to do the plan. Jesus' will became God's will. The process of prayer in relationship with his Father mattered. It always mattered. Sometimes things go differently and our prayers result in an even better outcome than we'd even prayed for or imagined. Here we could say that the outcome of Jesus' prayer resulted in an even better outcome, which of course was the salvation of the cosmos. So we need to, with humility, approach prayer. Jesus' school of prayer shows us that in times of crisis, Jesus prayed, and so we should pray. We also know that in ordinary times, Jesus prayed, and so we should pray in ordinary times. Jesus prayed to his Father, his protector, his provider, and he brought his whole being, his will, his feelings, his vulnerability, every aspect of our humanity, therefore, is welcome in prayer. So if you're facing challenges or the unknown, don't waste the crisis. Follow Jesus into prayer. I encourage you to do that now.